In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the uh, first month of uh, the month of uh, Tuba, which is the month right after uh, Kiyak, which is where we celebrate the Nativity of our Lord. Um, and the month, this month, uh, the theme of this month is salvation for all, for salvation for everyone. Um, if you paid attention to the readings of the Nativity, um, we read in this passage how the shepherds, they came and they worshipped him and the Magi came from the east and they worshipped him. So we see the beginning of all of these, you know, that Christ came for the whole world. And then the day after, uh, th which is the second day of Nativity, which is also a feast in the church, um, the readings were taken from John chapter 1, which we read in the Bay, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. So in the second day, we feast. On, we uh, we celebrate the divinity of Christ, right? Him being the Son of God, and then for the rest of this month, we we speak about like Christ coming for everyone. Uh, so the first uh, gospel of today was taken from how the Lord Christ fled to the land of Egypt, uh, and again, this is a Gentile land, and Christ dwelt there for uh, several years, and he returned back, you know, to uh, Judea after that. Um, but we find here that uh, Herod was after the Lord Christ and wanted to kill him. And of course, the Lord is divine. He is God. Why not just send fire from heaven to consume Herod and all his men? He could do this, right? But he fled and left, you know, this wrathful and angry person and he left him. So sometimes in our life, you know, we can say that this Herod is a difficult person to deal with. Very difficult person to deal with. So I'd like to speak briefly this morning about dealing with difficult people. How do we deal with difficult people? Do we pray that God send fire to consume them? Maybe sometimes that's what we feel, but that's not what we should be doing, right? So we'll speak a little bit about that uh, this morning. So what are the types of maybe difficult people we encounter? The first we have like the bubble buster. This is the person who deflates any kind of enthusiasm, right? So if anybody's excited about anything, it's like the Debbie Downer, right? Somebody who wants to just deflate the excitement or the enthusiasm about anything. You'll find this person, if there's a project, for example, in the church, they're the one to find all of the things that will be wrong with this plan and how it will fail from before you even think about it, right? This is the bubble buster. Then we have the volcano, right? This is the person who makes trivial matters explosive matters, right? Where things that can be in a very small issues, we can just heal them with a kind word become something that's extremely volatile. Then we have the unpleasant perfectionist, the person who looks at something and will find the one thing that's missing in the sea of greatness, right? And they'll find the kid of this one thing that's wrong and they'll say, this is a big problem because this thing is wrong, right? Or things have to be perfect. Then you have the chronic complainer, right? The person who always finds something to complain about. And if you look at the picture here, I don't know if you can see it, but it says, Pastor, I hate to complain, but I want to do what I do best, which is to complain, right? And you'll find this all the time, Yanni, in the church. You'll find uh, people that come and say, you know, Abuna, I don't want to complain about so-and-so, but, right? So when you hear something, but, whatever they said they apologize for is coming after it, right? So how can sometimes can we deal with them? I'll tell you our typical reaction to some of these individuals is retaliation, you know, we'll meet an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and retaliate with the same kind. If somebody's volcanic, we'll be a larger volcano and see which volcano can be larger and cause more damage. 
Sometimes we deal passively, where we just kind of just ignore them and let them do their thing. And sometimes this, you know, maybe temporarily can resolve an issue, but sometimes this can enable them uh, or enable this kind of yani, uh, toxic kind of behavior. So real quick, how can we deal with them from a biblical perspective? A couple of verses. If we go to Ephesians chapter 4, we learn the first way. He says uh, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with uh, every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. So he gives us the first thing is to, uh, is to speak with them with truth and with love. And I think nowadays this is what's called what we're all called for as Christians because you have a lot of lies that are being propagated through social media and everything like this, that our job is to speak the truth in love, right? Um, and oftentimes people don't like the truth, but this is okay. I will still speak the truth, nor should I bend the truth to the satisfaction of my hearers. I say the truth with a sincere love because I know this is the best thing. When people lie to themselves, this isn't good for them, and especially when they begin to believe this lie. Then they live in this this virtual world, and this isn't good for them. So I have to speak the truth with love. Uh, and the Proverbs, the Solomon tells us, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So he tells us, when we speak the truth in love, it's with the soft voice, right? When we begin to yell to each other, then we're becoming competing volcanoes, right? Then in Colossians, uh, St. Paul tells us, Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. So he says when we speak in love and truth, we speak seasoned with grace. Is this going to help? Is what I'm going to say going to help my brother or my sister, maybe to de-escalate a situation? Is this going to set a good example, right? Or am I just going to add fuel to the fire in my response? So <clears throat> disagreements and misunderstanding will always happen, but that's of course no excuse to disrespect one another. We must speak to each other with truth and with love. Once we lose the disrespect for one another, we have nothing to build on. Everything begins with speaking the truth with uh, love and respect. Then we have the three steps of reconciliation that the Lord taught us in Matthew 18. Um, he said what? He says, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. If he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. So he gives us three steps of reconciliation here. Um, the first, he says, is the private correction. The private correction. Take them aside and tell, talk to them privately. Sometimes we have this urge that when we see something wrong, I have to correct it right now. right? And maybe if I correct it right now, the person who I'm correcting won't take this nice right it's just you know some people will get defensive especially if it's in front of a lot of people right if somebody makes an error maybe at work doing some kind of presentation if you stand up and say this is wrong and this is so and so the person who's giving the presentation will become defensive right even if he knows he's wrong or he made a mistake he'll become defensive because then this discredits everything that he's saying St. John Chrysostom about this part he tells us he says 
You must conduct your judgments of him privately. Make your cure easy to accept. The words correct him mean nothing other than help him see his indiscretion. Tell him what you have suffered from him. So he gives us three key things here. He says, one, make your cure easy to accept. When you tell somebody one-on-one the correction, it's easy to accept because this communicates love, that you're not after embarrassing him or shaming him, but you want his betterment, right? So you can do this one-on-one. And then he says, help him see his indiscretion. So again, the purpose is for him to get better, to grow. And when people feel that your correction is meant for you to grow, they will love you for it rather than despise you if you try to embarrass or shame them. And then he says, tell him what you have suffered from him. So if they have done you some wrong, you tell him one-on-one that this is how your actions made me feel and, and so on. The second part was seek counsel or an advisor. <clears throat> and of course, this is not your gossip partner, right? When he says to seek somebody, you take you know uh, another opinion, to you know, talk with him. This is not your gossip partner who always agrees with you whatever you want, right? Um, or always who, somebody who's got your friend and who doesn't know them. But it needs to be a, uh, an unbiased party who can look at the situation and say, you know what, you're wrong in this and you're wrong in this. Maybe perhaps you should go apologize because you were maybe in the wrong, right? So take with you this unbiased third party. Um, that way it'll be no longer he said, you said. Um, <clears throat> and then the last part he says then take it to the church um, which is you know take it to somebody in the clerical rank or maybe a council in the church maybe the priest can assemble a three person council they evaluate this you know situation and then they come up with a decree by the recommendation of the priest so let this be kind of like the last resort, right? Sometimes we get in the habit if, you know, somebody, you know, maybe it's maybe not as common here, but the first thing that happens when me and somebody get in an argument is we call Abuna, right? And we say, Abuna, we got an argument. I remember when I was first ordained, again, I was, an, I was a novice, so somebody would call uh, at like at 11 p.m. or something, and I'm already asleep, so I don't answer. And then and then in the morning I get up and I listen to the message and the message is like, oh, Abuna, this this big fire, right? So I'm like, oh, great, what happened? So then I call them, Abuna, everything's okay, we, we, we figured it out. <laughs> so it just needed a little bit of time, right? It needed some time to de-escalate, to calm down, and then everything would be okay, right? But we tell it to the church last. Then um, the third is to realize that the, their anger or arguments may not be against you. We're, so we're speaking how to deal with difficult people. We said speak to them in uh, love and respect and truth, then to try to reconcile. And the third is to realize that their anger and arguments may not be always against you. If you remember in the uh, Jewish history, after the people of Israel were taken out of Egypt and they began to be fortified and have their own you know, uh, you know, congregation and they grew, they looked at the other nations, how they would go and conquer lands, and they had their kings, and their kings were very, you know, these prestigious, you know, people who were honorable, and many people feared them, and they said, why don't we have a king? We want a king like the other nations, right? So they came, and they asked Moses, we want a king, uh, um, sorry, they asked Samuel, they asked Samuel, they wanted a king like the other nations, right? 
So Samuel at the time was the judge that was leading them. And look what the God says to Samuel in 1 Samuel 8. He says, And the Lord said to Samuel, Heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. So maybe uh, Samuel looked at them and said, They're, They don't want me. This is against me as a personal uh, thing. So God said, No, no. When they rejected you, they're actually rejecting me because you're my representative, right? You're my prophet. You're my judge. So you know, this is why they're rejecting. So sometimes when we deal with these difficult people and somebody maybe comes and explodes in our face, we have to understand maybe they're not exploding at me personally, right? It could be about something else and I just happen to be the person in their face at this time. So maybe sometimes we not, don't take the, the things personally. Everything sometimes we take personally, but maybe we shouldn't take personally but, and then jump to conclusions, but let's wait to evaluate. Uh, the fourth way is to remember uh, to whom we are accountable. When we deal with difficult people, we need to remember who it is that we're accountable to. St. Paul says in Romans, So then each of us shall give an account to himself before God. Therefore let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. We are not responsible for the responses of others, but only for our own actions. We're responsible for ourselves. I can't tell you how many times we hear in confession, when I did so-and-so because so-and-so made me do something. Very rarely does somebody ever make anybody do anything, right? Maybe our, uh, as, as children, our parents make us do something, right? And again, it's even, it's not a force. We just, there's consequences. If you don't do this, you're not getting this. They perceive that as being we make them. No, we're giving them a choice, right, to do it or not. And if they don't do it, you don't get, you know, maybe whatever dessert or they don't get their toy whatever it is that you're saying so they feel it's a pressure but this is fine but no one i didn't twist their hand and make them do anything right nor does anybody really do this with us we're all free uh to choose so we're not responsible for the responses and behaviors of others but only those of ourselves and also um we should be cautious of being a stumbling block to others uh, a stumbling block is simply an impediment to somebody's growth, an impediment to somebody's growth. One common mistake sometimes when we get in conflict and dealing with difficult people is we feel the responsibility that it's our responsibility to change them. And I can change them. Actually, nobody can change except this, or the own individual, the person. And that's why if we go back to what St. John Chrysostom was saying, he says... Um, uh, uh, make uh, it says you must conduct your judgment of him privately. Make and then he says correct him, meaning nothing other than helping him see his indiscretion. Tell him what he has, how uh, tell him what you have uh, suffered from him. So he says, just tell him what you have suffered from him, and all of this is to try to convince him or her that they want to be corrected. But when you point the finger and says you're wrong and you need to correct so and so, this usually doesn't last very long. But what lasts is when somebody is convinced within themselves that I need to change and I did something wrong. So rather than pointing the finger, you can tell them how their behavior has affected them and the people around them and get them to understand how this is something that's negative. And then once the person is convinced of this, then they could change and they'll change by their own will rather than feeling compelled. The next way is simply to walk away, to walk away or to postpone resolution. 
Again, sometimes we say, okay, walk away is we walk away, ignore it, and we never talk about it again. But then what happens, you find the anger, resentment, and the hatred stay there in your heart. And when another offense happens, it boils over. And then this kind of grows until this, you know, atomic bomb. And then until one day, this blows up in somebody's face. If you remember the story of uh, when uh, uh, Saul was coming after David, right? And there was one time where, and this was there, he was after him for a, uh, quite a long time. And then one time, David and his men, they went into the recesses of a cave. And then Saul came in this cave, in the front of this cave, to take care of Kedah business. And then the men of, uh, of David said, God has delivered your enemy into your hand. Let's go get rid of him. Because you're the rightful king. Right? You're the rightful king. Look what David says. He says, look this day, this is the soldiers, look this day, your, your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered you today into my hand in the cave, and someone urged me to kill you. He's David speaking here now to Saul, and he's telling him that his soldier urged me to kill you. But my eye has spared you, and I said, I will not stretch out my hand against the Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. So, although maybe David would be justified to take vengeance on him, and he was encouraged by his comrades, but he said, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to walk away. Show him mercy. And actually, temporarily, Saul says, you know what? You're a better man than me. And of course he was, right? But this wasn't the same. This happened again later. But again, David did the same thing. He walked away. In some instances, walking away is going to be the safest and best thing to do, right? Sometimes, you know, um, we feel that if I walk away, this is a type of weakness, let me remind you, remember what the Lord Jesus said, when somebody slaps you on your cheek, to do what? To turn the other one, right? Which is easier, as being a human? If somebody slaps you, to slap them back, or to refrain from slapping them? The easier thing to do is to slap them back, because this is our natural inclination. But to refrain from slapping them back, this is a calculated thing, right? And I do this on purpose. And I'm not meeting aggression with aggression or violence with violence. So it actually takes a stronger person to refrain from meeting aggression with aggression or yelling with yelling, right? So it takes a stronger person. So if I want to be the stronger person, I don't meet the aggression with aggression, but I meet it with you know, patience, just walking away, postpone the resolution until a more opportune uh, time. Um, when is it then do we walk away? Because sometimes we walk away when we shouldn't walk away. Maybe the person that we have this problem with wants to talk and come to some kind of resolution. So when is it then do we walk away? We walk away when two people are no longer to communicate with love, clarity, rationale, and respect. So if we can't speak in love and we can't speak rationally, where somebody now starts to speak in something that makes no sense, right or it's not logical then it's time to walk away or when there's no clarity when we start jumping from one place to another you start to try to bring up the issue at hand and there's somewhere else avoiding you know the main issue at hand or if the we lose respect they this is your key to say and maybe it's time to wait you know we'll talk about this in another time where we're both yani, uh, calm and we can deal with one another um the next is sometimes you must agree to disagree. Sometimes you have to agree to disagree. And this doesn't mean like this is a bad thing. If you remember St. Paul and St. Barnabas, right? At one point, 
Uh, it's first in Acts 15. I won't read you the passage just for the sake of time. But at one point, they wanted to continue to minister. And then uh, St. Barnabas said, St. Paul, let's take with us Mark. And St. Paul says, no, no, he left me before in the service. I don't want to take him with me. I'll, I want to take Silas. And Barnabas says, no, we should take Mark. He's a great, he's a great servant. So then it, the Bible says in Acts that the contention became so sharp that they went their separate ways. So rather than having one group, they had two groups with Paul and Silas in one and Barnabas and uh, Mark in the other, right? So the ministry kind of doubled here. But what happened here is that St. Paul and St. Barnabas agreed to disagree, right? If we can't come to resolution, and especially if it's something that's not like, you know, whether we take somebody or not, is not something good or evil. It's a matter of preference, right? So it's okay. I want, you know, it's just like, you know, um, you know, sometimes when you get the invitations for weddings, they tell you to choose the kind of meat you want, right? And your wife says, uh, what kind of meat? And she says, I want chicken. She's like, I want steak. And she's like, okay, put one and one. Le we have to have the same. Why? <laughs> just pick one. You have one and I have one, right? So they can just, any, both, you know, agree to disagree. It's okay, right? Um, <clears throat> lastly, of course, the last thing to do when we have uh, dealing with difficult people is to pray for them. Look what the Lord says. He says, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Mind you, though, oftentimes the people that hurt us the most and the people that are maybe the most difficult to deal with are the people we love the most, are the people we love the most. And that's what makes it difficult because there's this mixed feelings of love, but then there's frustration, right? So even in these regards, we need to revert to prayer first and foremost because and don't let the love you know take the back seat but let the love take the lead right to be more patient more kind more you know um tolerant maybe more patient right so let love take the lead but mention this always in prayer that this is something yani that god taught us that when we can't disagree or we can't uh, agree with one another and there's a difficulty in prayer and humility, things can be resolved. So I know th there are many you know, types of difficult people that we deal with, and we mentioned a few ways we can uh, deal with them today. May God grant us to live in peace and harmony all the days of our life. To him be the glory forever and ever.